Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our Atlantic Division preview with our friend Blaine Popfan from the Habs Unfiltered. We are proudly brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co., the big beer for the big podcast. And tonight, well, we're going to talk about everyone, what everyone is talking about, and that's Kirby Doc. Signed his three-year deal. Blaine, give us a quick synopsis of what you think this deal means and what they're betting on for Kirby Doc. Oof, the Doc Doc Goose tirade. Oh, okay. Hey, you know his mom and dad's name? <sighs> it's Hickory Dickory. <laughs> I thought they got divorced. Ooh. Something well, about a clock. clock. He was running around with a clock. Ooh. Um, yeah, it hit 12 and, uh, yeah. Anyways, this is a kid show. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of Kirby Doc? Throw it out there real quick for everybody. I think it's a good deal for both sides. I think this is a good uh, a, a good gamble on the part of Hughes. G- uh, betting on the potential for Doc uh, later on in this uh, this deal. The four years, at the end of the four years, he's still in RFA, so they has they still have team control. Yep. Yeah, it'll be an arbitration year, but they can still get stuff done. Um, and if he does end up hitting his potential, then you got a year or two at a massive discount. True enough. And if he doesn't, and he just turns into a 40-point center, well, 40-point centers get paid $4 million a year. So this is still under that level. Value. Yep. So it, it gives Doc a really good opportunity to develop without that pressure. And if he does hit that, it gives the team some really good uh, leverage uh, cap-wise for at least a season. But they can probably help graft on a couple of players to help out the team. Yeah, and right now, I mean, where the, the Montreal Canadiens are, obviously not going to be contending for a playoff spot. We don't think so. But, you know, at least this here gives them some salary, obviously, to work towards what they need to with this player to see what they can get out of him. And like you said, if he becomes, becomes a 45, 50-point guy, perfect. It's exactly what they need. Our forward game, you know, north-south, um, he finishes his checks, but he's streaky. He's very streaky. Uh, I don't think he's going to hit 30 goals, but I think 25 is a reasonable expectation from a guy making $5.5 million who's likely going to see a lot of extra playing time in that top six. But to get to your, your question about who I feel is going to be a bit of a surprise, I'm going to point to Dadanov. Now, Dadanov was a total cap dump, complete cap dump by Vegas. I mean, you look at what they did to Pacioretty, for God's sakes. They gave him up for uh, future considerations. Yeah. And then went and signed Phil Kessel. So... <clears throat> They're not making the best choices, is my point. And now I, I expect Dadanov, who had 20 goals on him, I expect him to play to that level. And he will not finish the season in Montreal. They will trade yeah. him. Yeah. I think the same thing goes for Sean Monaghan, to be honest with you. Um, a guy that, you know, we'll talk about him. And um, just for everybody who, who didn't catch the, the previous five minutes of this conversation – because StreamYard, for whatever reason, didn't allow this to, to be recorded. Uh, we have rehashed uh, the Kirby Doc stuff. Uh, we talked about his deal, where that will be landing, uh, where he might play. So we'll uh, we'll figure that out here in a few moments to get back to that conversation um, and just rehash. Uh, lovely StreamYard and technology, always fun, fun, fun. 
But uh, Sean Monahan to talk about that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for me, this is a guy right here who's coming in off a couple of bad injuries in the last year of his deal who will probably want to put up career numbers, a la Nazem Kadri, want to play his bag off because he probably wants to get a bag himself and may play himself into a trade consideration as well come the trade deadline for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems like maybe what he would want to do. That would be the best case for the Habs. Imagine a Sean Monaghan that pots you 29 goals, 30 assists. Just imagine that realm, and then you're not a contending team. What can you ask for at the deadline for a healthy, producing Sean Monaghan? I don't think Monaghan even needs to reach those levels. Uh, I don't think he will either, let's be honest. Um, He's not quite the skater to begin with, and then he had both hips worked on. But I do feel that he could be a very effective player. Uh, He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He knows where to go. So a guy who can score 20 goals, play center, I think that's very reasonable to expect out of him uh, if he's healthy. And if he is and he plays to that level, I could see another first-round pick being thrown at the Canadians for Sean Monaghan. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Something that I thought of all along (laughs) with the Sean Monaghan deal, Um, it's just – Something I think the Habs can bank capital on if they don't push towards the playoffs. Oh, and they won't. They won't. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna he's, be, he's banking on it. He's banking on it. It can't happen. <laughs> well, no, they they really do need to continue with the rebuild. Yeah. But I, I know that everyone's looking at the Canadians forwards and saying, well, you know, that group looks pretty good. You'd think they'd be a lot better than what people expect. Then you turn around and look at the back end and yeah. in net. And while Allen is good, the more he plays, the more shaky he gets. And Samuel Motabo, I mean, I like the guy, but expecting him to play 35, 40 games, not, you know. Hey, you're risking the biscuit. And, and the defense is fairly young overall. So there's going to be issues there. There's going to be mistakes made, and goals are going to get scored because of it. So. The Canadians are going to lose a lot of games 6-4, 5-3, but they're going to be exciting to watch. And I do expect them to win about 29, 30 games, which will put them, you know, 22nd overall and down. Yeah, yeah. Now, it'll keep you in the window for the Bedard sweepstakes anyways. Eh, not quite out of this, but I'm not expecting them to win another lottery. Now, speaking of back end, um, I look at it somebody like Caden Gooley, who can definitely steal the show here on the back end. And w- if he comes up, what what do you expect from him during the season? And where do you see him going long term? Well, with Gooley, he's he's a very interesting player to look at. He's got that pro-style game, but I don't see him being as effective, you know, putting up those kinds of numbers that he was putting up with the Oil King. He's a guy that when he does finally settle into an NHL role, it'll probably be uh, a second-pairing guy who can really eat up a ton of minutes, who's going to put up maybe 30 points at the high end, 
but he's a guy that will play on your penalty kill, finish every check, and make people regret going to the net while still being fairly mobile. But for this year, um, I don't expect to see him play more than 25, 30 games. There's going to be a rotation. Uh, there's a lot of uh, prospects on the left side of the defense, specifically with Jordan Harris, uh, Arbor Jackeye, Norlinder is still there. People tend to forget about him, but he's still in the mix. Uh, Corey Schooneman, another another player that plays on the left side. There's probably going to have to be a shift where Harris gets some games on the right side to fit everybody in. And it's going to be, it's going to be a revolving door on that blue line. Everyone's going to get a turn. Everyone's going to get some time to play. They're going to use that time to develop the players. That's where all the mistakes are going to come from. They're going to try and do what they can do. You know, mistakes are going to happen and they're not going to get their lunch eaten because of it. That that's Marty St. Louis promise to them. Hey, you make a mistake. That's fine. Learn from it. Move ahead. Yeah, he's not going to bench you for it. No. Another guy too. I mean, Dylan, we were talking about this before we jumped on with with Blaine. Is uh, is Baron? They haven't penciled in for a top four spot. Um, obviously, do you see him being part of the evolution rotation here, or is he a guy that they want to make sure gets regular reps to bring him along at the right trajectory? Obviously, with a rebuilding team, he will get his minutes. He will get his chances. But is he another guy that may just rotate in and out here and there? Well, with Barron being on the right side, the Canadians having precious little in the system for right-handed defensemen, it's more likely he's going to get to play a lot more time. Um, with Savard and Weidman on the right side as well, he, he's well insulated. But if there's an injury, oof, he's going to be exposed. So I fully expect the Canadians to try and trade some of the uh, 4,500 forwards they have and bring in a right-handed defenseman if possible. Now, I know there's some really shitty accounts on Twitter going on about how the Canadians are trading for Tyson Berry. And if you follow one of those hockey insider accounts, delete them. (laughs) Because that's there's no... I have no word as to that happening. Uh, <laughs> if someone like an Eric Engels or uh, John Luke. I don't know, Elliot Friedman says this is happening, <clears throat> then yeah, sure. But hockey insiders or whatever the frig, no. So, but if the Canadians do make a move for a right-handed defenseman, that's going to signal that Barron's probably going to be given time to play, but is not expected to play the full season. Yeah, I always wonder about these things because, I mean, when we can talk about it here in Toronto, when a young guy named Luke Shen was in a similar situation, <laughs> well, he was a you know, highly touted prospect at the point in time when the Leafs were a crap team and they needed somebody to play a role and hope they were going to bring him along. They rushed him. That's what I'm saying about here with Justin Barron. Do you – kind of want to kid glove it a little bit here and not rush him and not shell shock the kid, you know, in certain situations. It's different, I guess, when you're insulated with guys like Weidman and the such and Savard, but at the same time, 
it's not going to be fun to go out there and be a dash for, you know, you know, what, six out of 10 nights, you know, things like that. Not to say that they're going to get bombed, but you know what I mean? It's not going to be a huge confidence builder for a young defenseman, you know, and I know Marty St. Louis is going to let him play, but sometimes it can really, uh, I guess, rip the paint off the car before it even gets out the driveway. Well, a lot of times when a goal is given up and you're on the ice and you take that dash, a lot of times you had nothing to do with it. So True, these guys are pros. They understand that. They'll uh, they'll know that if they had a hand in that goal being given up, then they're going to worry about it. But they're going to go over the video. They're going to take a look at it, learn from the mistakes. And, and, I mean, Barron's a pretty smart player, so I think he'll do fine. But with the Canadians, since the new regime has taken over, they have placed a massive amount of money into development now as compared to previous regimes. They still have a lot more to do towards that end, but bringing in Adam Nicholas, bringing in uh, Chris Boucher, bringing in the coaches they brought in 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 the minor leagues and uh, developmental coaches, it's pointing to the fact that the Canadians are focused on that development and they're they're not going to use kid gloves per se, but they're not going to put these guys in... Un- untenable situations. They will not be shent. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was uh, that was sad, to be honest with you. They just wanted a name in the lineup, and he was the big, shiny new toy, and here you go, kid. See you later. He should have went back down to the minors or whatever they should have done with him, but that's, uh, that's ancient history. But I use that example because we've seen a young defenseman that had promise, you know, basically be the deer in headlights and end up Marincin. not being yeah yeah <laughs> he's just a deer in headlights anyways <laughs> end of story um but another good thing about this squad for you guys this season is marty st louis with the guys who are high octane offense type players your suzuki's your cole caulfield's how are they going to benefit this year what's a full year of cole caulfield and nick suzuki look like um is it going to be what we saw cole do towards the end of the season which is turn it on and show why he should have probably been the rookie of the year for this crop. If he played under St. Louis the whole year, Dilly, you can shake your head, but the way he was scoring at that pace, he could have been a 45 to 50 goal scorer. We don't know, but that's the way it looked. That's the way it looked. And he had full confidence was wheeling and dealing, doing his thing. It was the swagger Cole of the tail end of the season before where he was burning the Leafs in overtime and jazzing up the Montreal crowd. Um, you know, I talk about young guys getting hyped too soon. He did get hyped. He did get hyped. And then he got drugged when he wasn't playing well. Um, but you know what? It wasn't uh, wasn't a favorable situation from the coaching staff and all that good stuff that was going on. I watched you guys talk about it. You know, but this season, it's a breath of fresh air. So what do you expect from Nick freaking Suzuki and Mr. Cole, I got swagger for days, Caulfield. Look well, at start, you go, kid. <laughs> I'll start with Cole Caulfield. Um, he was on a tear as soon as St. Louis showed up. Yep. Um, it, it's as if the weight was taken off his shoulders, and he was just they just told, hey, go out and play, kid. And he ripped it up. He had 35 points in 37 games. Uh, he was on pace for 50 goals. 
But this season, I don't see him pulling off that kind of season all the way through. I don't yeah. think I don't think it's unreasonable to expect 30 goals out of him. He had 22, which was pretty impressive considering he had That's one right. goal in his yeah. first 30 games. So um, I think a 30-goal season is possible for him and maybe even 60 points, which, I'm going to be honest, I'd be excited about especially yeah. with that progression with Suzuki. Uh, he's, he's got a, he's going to have a lot of weight on his shoulders. That new contract starting out this season, he's going to be about 7.8 million. He's going to be the clear cut number one center in Montreal, which is something that, you know, it's crushed other people in the past, but I don't think the expectations are there for him to win every game. So, he had a he had a career high last season with 61 points, played every game. I think what we're going to see out of him is a little bit of the same, but probably a little bit stronger on the offensive side. I think he's learning to cheat a little bit more on the offense without because he goes in pretty deep defensively and it it limits his offense. With uh, St. Louis and his style, he wants him to play up ice a little bit more. Now, as a center, he can't play up ice too far, but I think he's going to get a little bit more offense this year, so maybe 65 points. Do you think that uh, last year Suzuki was trying to, I wouldn't say replicate, but trying to do some of the work that Deneau did in neutralizing other teams and being more that defensive-minded center that Philip Deneau was for the Montreal Canadiens? Um, yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he, he was essentially the only centerman that the Canadiens had all season long. So yeah. that, that role fell onto him just because everybody was hurt. This season, however, I don't see him being given that responsibility all on his own. Uh, Christian Dvorak is back and healthy. He's going to take up a lot of that, uh, that defensive time. We're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to insulate those young centermen really well. And that's a big reason why he hasn't been traded. They want to give these two centermen, Doc and Suzuki, a little bit more leeway to play offensively when Christian Dvorak, the old man, I think he's slightly younger than Bunting. Yeah. You know, he's the old man on the team. Um, you know, he won't get no rookie of the year, but he'll put in his work. Yeah. So I want to ask this question before we talk about Dvorak. The, the top nine for the Montreal Canadiens, you have young players scattered throughout. Obviously veterans will be there, Dadinoff, Gallagher, et cetera. Um, do you see them trying to disperse the ice time evenly, so to speak, between Doc, Dvorak, and Suzuki? I know Suzuki will get a good, decent chunk. He will be your clear-cut, like you said, number one. But I'm not talking 22, 23 minutes a night. I'm probably more like maybe 19 and the other guys falling underneath. But more of a balanced load just to get them all playing, just to get them all going. You want Doc to be flowing, like you said. You want him to get his wheels. You want Dvorak, if you can get him confident in playing. I mean, that's a pretty good three centers if they're all playing to their full potential. So how do you see Montreal distributing that ice time and dealing with those three players? Well, well I think at five-on-five, five, they're going to be looking at more situational play as opposed to just rotating the guys through. Yeah. So if there's an offensive situation where they feel they need to win that face-off to get that shot, Suzuki will probably get in there. 
if there's a position where they can on the fly get Doc out there for an offensive zone entry, they'll do that. I think they're going to end up probably sitting around 18 minutes a game for Suzuki, 16 to 17 for the for the other two. Uh, I think power play is going to be a heavy factor in the overall time on ice. Yeah. And Suzuki's going to take up a lot of that power play time. Oh, yes. But, I mean, that gives them an option here, too. I mean, I know you have Dadnov. I know you have Gallagher. But, I mean, if you ran a power play of, like, Suzuki, Caulfield, and maybe on the, the backside of things, you know, put a, a Doc or put a Dvorak back there, right? just to be that extra fourth forward and then sprinkle a Gallagher or Dadnov as your veteran dude on the power play. That doesn't sound too bad. Also gives them a little bit more minutes, but you can also swap that in and out, see what works, see what doesn't. And that might be what they're leaning towards. Obviously you got to fill out power play card number two, but a lot of teams are leaning heavily on one unit now. So, I mean, maybe they load up one. Well, yeah, I expect them to load up the first unit as much as they can, probably with five forwards. And it depends on the style of power play they're going to use. Are they going to use the one, three, one? Are they going to go with the more traditional uh, one, two, two? It's hard to say right now without training camp having started to see what kind of ideas they're putting out there. But I do expect them to, you know, play a, play a little bit more risky, especially now with uh, Robbie Duh taking, uh, taking a spot on the Canadians uh, coaching staff he's a development guy as well and his i know he's a hardcore defenseman but who better to break down how to beat a defense than a defenseman like that so i can see a five-man power play to start with the first uh, first wave second wave you put some of the younger guys on there as well give them a little bit of that that garbage time that last 30 45 seconds see what they get Absolutely. All right. All right. No, I'm, I'm liking what you're saying. I'm buying what you're selling. Uh, another guy that is with the Montreal Canadiens who may not start the season, as we learned today, is Paul Byron. Um, may not be ready to go. May actually end up on the LTIR to start from what Ken Hughes said. Um, what will he bring to this team? Um, where will he fit? He's another forward that, again, has speed, can do things, different things for this team. But we're already talking about Three centers right there. We're talking about guys on the wing all throughout. Where does Paul Byron fit in all this when he finally does come back healthy? Well, Paul Byron is one of the assistant captains with the Canadians currently. Uh, the new uh, leadership core hasn't been announced yet. Uh, I fully expect the captain to be named uh, at the golf tournament in about five, six days. So Suzuki wearing the C is what I expect to hear. Whether or not Byron keeps an A, he's still part of the leadership group. So he will start the season on the LTIR. I mean, he his recovery from the hip uh, it doesn't seem to be going as well. I haven't seen any video of him skating as of yet. So I fully expect him to be on the LTIR. Now, once he returns, they're going to have to move guys out. And when, where does he fit? Likely on a fourth line likely doing some penalty kill time, uh, hoping that the speed is there. And if it's not, it's his last season with the Canadians either way. So we'll see what he gets. True enough. And another guy we didn't even mention, Sean Monaghan, may not be ready for opening night as well. Oh, not no. far off. 
the first maybe couple of weeks he might miss, but they do expect him to, to be ready to go, uh, of, you know, sooner than later, it's not going to be a long-term injury reserve kind of thing, but another player, the Montreal Canadiens are going to look forward to and fans will look forward to as well with this team. Uh, for you, what is a successful season for the Montreal Canadiens this year? What will make it worth the while for fans in your eyes? Well, last season started off with the, uh, the Canadians getting blown out of the water every game. Uh, I think they set a record for the most games where they gave up five goals or more in club history. Uh, they gave up the most goals they've ever given up in club history. Uh, it's they had they didn't score that many goals, uh, but under Saint Louis, the numbers looked a lot better. They were more fifteenth to twentieth ranking. So if they can stay on that level an entire season, keep the games close, keep them entertaining. That is exactly what the fans need to see, what the team needs to see, especially during this next stage of the rebuild, because they're, they're still going to need a high draft pick, but you don't want to, you don't want the fans to get too riled up, especially in Montreal. Things can yeah. get pretty fiery. Pretty fancy, so. pretty quick. Well, like I said, we saw it last year. Yeah. The young guy like Cole Caulfield, all the promise in the world, and everybody excited about him, didn't score. And, of course, fans were all over him, right? So I don't want to see those things happen. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Montreal Canadiens can produce. Obviously, like I said, I'm for Ottawa, Montreal, doing decent enough to make it a good go for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, you want to see all three of those teams, any Canadian team doing well. I don't want to not see Ottawa. the Leafs. No, not <laughs> Ottawa. Not <laughs> Ottawa. Ooh, spicy words. Listen, Dilly was ready to jump ship the other night. Uh, John Trache offered him uh, a Stutzler jersey and said, oh, I'll give you a Stutzler jersey for free if you become a Sens fan. He said, sure, send it over. I, I bet it just yeah, dove turn. out of the way. It just dove out of the way. Yeah. Yes. I told oh, him to give me a Germany one, not in Oh, no, 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 no. You said free Stutzler jersey, and you were all, Leafs who? Who? Leafs who? So, yeah, no, it's uh, I can't wait to see Montreal this season. Um, it will be fun to, to poke and, and jab a little bit, but you want to see growth with those young forwards and everybody take the steps. And hopefully Justin Barron, obviously, we love seeing him with the, the Halifax Mooseheads. I want to see him do well. Um, ultimately, for you, last question on the house before I flip the script and ask you about the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, what do you think about the goaltending here? What is the future of the goaltending in Montreal. It is no longer Carey Price's net. It is no longer Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. I think that book is closed. That chapter is done. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be Allen. This may be his last year in Montreal. Um, Samuel Montembeau, maybe. Um, then you have... Caden um, Primo. Caden Primo is the next one. Is there someone we're not talking about? Where does the goaltending go? Or is it a free agent? Uh, well, in the system, uh, Primo definitely needs a full season in the AHL to work on his game. I mean, he was thrown to the Wolves last season, and it, it hurt. Yes. Then he had that great playoff run with the Rocket to kind of rehabilitate his game a bit. Well, by a bit, I mean a lot, because he had an over 930 save percentage and dragged the team to the conference final. So a full season in the AHL, and that kid could be ready to try his hand at being a starter in the NHL, but there's no guarantees with him. Um, Joe Vrabeck just signed an AHL deal. Uh, he was the North Bay goaltender. 
Uh, he's a big kid. He's athletic. Be f- interesting to see how he works out. But there's uh, there's a guy that they don't talk about too much. He's down in the NCAA, NCAA uh, playing with uh, Ohio of Miami, and that's uh, Jacob Dobes. That kid put up some great numbers in the NCAA. <coughs> Excuse me. And in a couple of years, maybe he's the one that's knocking on the door. Yeah, true enough. But true enough. they really do need to look at uh, draft, draft some more goaltenders. They might have to go and trade for one because right now there's no surefire future goaltender in this system. So that that's – but that's the last thing they should be worrying about in this rebuild. They really okay. need to worry about building uh, the style of play they want, that blue line that you need for success, mobility, uh, puck movement, some forwards who can take advantage of that. Then you can go looking for your goalie. All right, all right. I, I, I have your hand one up question. question. Yeah, fire in. We didn't talk about him, and he was your first overall pick. Slavkowski, does he – break into the lineup this year, or are they going to put him in the AHL to develop him this year? I think he's going to start the season with the Canadians. And it's more likely to do with the fact that guys like uh, Byron and Monaghan are going to be on the LTIR to start the season. So there'll be, uh, there'll be an opening. And his first season is getting burned no matter what happens, whether he plays nine it doesn't matter. The The key number for him is 40 games. If he hits 40 games, that's a year towards his UFA seasons starting at 26 instead of 27. He'll start. And how he does from that point uh, will dictate. If his play is, you know, he's a top nine guy, guaranteed, they'll make room for him. But if they see any chinks in the armor, he will go to Laval and they'll work on developing him there. Uh the development is the – they're not looking at getting the best player this year. They want this guy to be a star for a few years down the road. No, I can see that. I, I can see it. Again, we talked about shell-shocking guys. You want to make sure this guy is ready to be in your top six and ready to play with the Suzukis, the Caulfields, when everybody's rolling and it matters. You want this guy to be ready at that point. And if he's got to go down and dominate Laval, let him go do it. Let him just exactly. destroy it and let him walk in with the biggest swagger walk ever next season because he just ripped apart the AHL and he's ready for the NHL. That and this kid, bad. this kid's got swagger, and oh, yeah. he is freaking huge. My hand, yes, my hand still hurts from him. High, but when I was when I met him at the draft, he shook my hand and yeah, I think he crushed it. Like. <laughs> Uh, it like a can of fuck off Lagerdale. That's that's what I use as a painkiller. <laughs> Goes down, awesome. All right, so we'll switch gears here to the one on my shirt. I want to ask you about the Toronto Maple Leafs off season. A lot of people saying that the Maple Leafs did uh, not do well, that they've downgraded, that the team's worse. I disagree. I think the team is actually better suited, more foot speed. Uh, maybe more guys with willingness. Uh, yes, Jason Spetson and face-off prowess, not there. Um, but that aside, I really do think the Nick Abe-Kubels, the Gadets, um, you know, young players like Nick Robertson, we talk about our own guys, trying to crack this lineup and do some damage after doing pretty well in the AHL with his injuries last year, still put up really good numbers. 
What do you see for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Is this team a team that can go and take that next step in the playoffs? Or are at least fans just going to be heartbroken all over again? Yeah. So I I don't see the Toronto Maple Leafs being that much better or worse than they were last year. I think they kind of tread water a little bit. And everything's going to rest on how that bottom six does and their goaltending. Those are the big question marks. I mean, their defense is pretty much what it's been for the last 18 months. Yep. Uh, TJ Brody being there really helps out. So that that's good. A full uh, season of year, Dano don't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you should be relying too, too much on a 39 year old defenseman. <laughs> so listen, no, I, I'm excited for him. I can't lie. Not that what he, what he is, isn't good. I mean, he's good. They just need to don't lean on him so much, especially if you want to have his legs ready and fresh for the playoffs, because this has been Toronto's thing. They are a regular season powerhouse. They run through everybody put up 100-point seasons, Matthews is scoring 60 goals, and then the playoffs hit, and then There's no gas in the tank. No. And uh, as much as I love seeing that, (laughs) (laughs) the chances that that happens again this year are pretty high. And unless people like Matthews stop being so goddamn selfish and start learning to play the right way, helping his teammates – not relying so much on Marner to feed him the puck every single time and build the plays himself. If once he does that, come playoff time, they'll win the series. But unless he figures that out, that'll be tough to do. And see, that is one thing. And Dylan, you know, I've said this. I've said it many, many times. I really think with John Tavares's foot speed going a little bit, still putting up points, almost a point per game guy in the NHL, not a bad thing to do, by the way, folks. So everybody hating on John Tavares, maybe <laughs> breaks. But maybe move Mitch Marner back with John Tavares. Put Willie Nylander up with Austin Matthews, forcing Austin Matthews to drive the play more, to be that guy that you just said, and still having a guy on your wing that, A, can pass and be a trigger man, but you're not relying on the Mitch Marner-esque pass. You're not relying on that vision. And I know it's great to have a Datsuk and Zetterberg, but even those two were broken up in their time in Detroit. So maybe you finally drop Mitch down with JT, elevate Willie. You still have your power play cookies together, you know, but that would be the non-selfish thing to do is to break them up. And I know they'll pout and be upset, but that right there probably adds more to your lineup than having them as one line. Just and I, I don't want Leaf fans sending me all the hate mail all at once. I mean, <laughs> send it, just send some weekly stuff. I don't mind that. But uh, all jokes all jokes aside, uh, with Matthews, yeah, he's he's been, I say selfish in that he cheats onto the offensive side. I know he's getting all kinds of tire pumping for being a two-way guy. <laughs> but oh my god he is he's okay defensively 
I will tell you this. This 200-foot game is growing from where it was. It's much better. And steps. pulls back on the offense a little bit, works on that defensive side just a little bit more. Like it, it's more about a balance because he yeah. can do it. It's just he doesn't want to. And I that's where the self going to have his coming to Getzlav season. Because yeah. what happened with Ryan Getzlav was he was a great offensive player, was getting pushed around a little bit, and then he finally started not taking shit from anyone and throwing his body and throwing the fist and just – being more of a power forward while putting up the points and being more responsible defensively. But once Getzlav became that Getzlav, that's when the Ducks took their steps and were a pretty gross team, to be honest with you. A team you didn't want to go to down to Anaheim and play with Corey Perry and Mr. Ryan Getzlav. So that's what I'm hoping Austin Matthews can grow to. And it took Getzlav some time to grow into that. He had to lose his hair. Matthews is already going that way. So maybe that's the key. A bald Matthews, maybe an angry Matthews. Well, maybe he should uh, shave off that Justin Bieber garbage on his face. Uh, <laughs> that might help a little bit. Um, um, maybe he'll be allowed near a school at that point. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Look at this guy. Go. Going in on Austin Matthews. Look at you. Go. Mark my words. Bunting is going to have a phenomenal year. You know what? I, I think he will do really well. And especially if he is placed with uh, with Marner and Tavares. If you put you put him on that line, I don't think it'd be out of line to say he can get 30. He really can. I, that's, see, there, you're, you're in the same wheelhouse as me. Yeah. And I would love to see Nick Robertson get a shot. Who's Austin that? Matthews. Nick Robertson. Nick, who? Listen. You you know me as well as anyone. I have not been on the bandwagon of saying he's better than anyone. I've always been on the, I just want him to come and play. And we talked to Mark Seidel. You know Mark. Yep. We talked to a few people who believe in this kid. And Mark said this year that if he's given the opportunity to play in a top six role, he could be a 25 to 30 goal scorer given the opportunity. If he gets a chance to play with Austin Matthews and William Nylander on a consistent basis, not just a, oh, here's a week and it didn't work, we'll see you later. No, let him work his kinks out and get going. That might be a formidable top six. Then we just talked about the depth. Move Kerfoot down into your bottom six. Holy smokes, all of a sudden you have Kerfoot with Engvall and Yarncroak. You have Camp down at the bottom with Kubel and Gadette. Finally, your lineup starts to shift down and guys may be playing in positions they're supposed to. But the big one for me is move Marner with JT. Because you elevate JT's game, you take nothing away from Marner because he'll still be Marner. He'll still do his passing and his thing just with JT. You put Bunting there, then you got a guy who's going to beak and draw penalties. There's Matthews getting his power play opportunities. That's I just, you know... Why not? Why not just freaking try it? Because you don't want to upset Matthews and Marner? Well, too bad. It's the National Hockey League, not the mash, National Matthews and Marner League. You know? Yeah. And I think if Robertson isn't given, isn't given his chance this year, hmm. he should just be traded somewhere where he's going to get his chance because yep. now's the time. Yep. Now no, this, the time. this is his Lilligren season right here. We said about Lilligren last year. Yep. Lilligren needed to take a step 
and prove that he could be a part of this lineup. He did with Giordano, did not look out of place. This is Nick Robertson's year. This is the make or break, in my opinion, for Nick Robertson. I don't care he's 21. This is the year you got to step up, lace up your skates, and play with the big boys and show what everybody got excited about with you in the bubble where you scored the goal against Columbus and everybody thought, we have something here. Then he got injured. Injury, injury, injury. But last year, even with the injuries in the AHL, he put up good numbers, which is what you want to see. You want to see growth. We just talked about Slavkovsky doing the growth down there. This is what he did last year. Now it needs to translate to the NHL. Otherwise, you are just a great AHL player and a fringe NHLer. And he's more than that. He needs oh, he that is. opportunity. He needs But he it. needs to be top six. He can't be a bottom six guy. No. He's exactly. not a minor. He's not a mucker. He's not a defensive stalwart forward. He's a top six get-it-done guy. And uh, before I take off, if the, if the Leafs can't win a series this year, Oh boy. Uh Bay Street's gonna burn. Like there's gonna be a big there's gonna be a big shift in that city. And oh, I think I don't live down there. I think Matthews is gonna look great down at Phoenix afterwards. Oh, oh. oh. Zingers. All right. We're gonna do the wrap right here. Guys, this has been the, the Habs Leafs season preview, the Atlantic Division with our man Blaine Pop fan from Habs Unfiltered. Obviously, we are brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Coast, Puck Off Lagerdale, the big beer for the big podcast, which is right here with Offside and our friends from Habs Unfiltered. And this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. <laughs>